0: Join us for our free online webinar on how to apply this amazing process to your gardens and fruit trees. Visit urbanfarm.org to sign up. That's urbanfarm.org. Greetings, urban farmers, gardeners, and healthy food visionaries. Greg Peterson here, and welcome to the 281st episode of the Urban Farm Podcast, where three days a week we work together educating and inspiring you to become part of your food revolution. Growing plants that thrive in your yard is a lot easier than you think. It starts with saving your own seeds and letting them remember what they already learned. Just text SEEDS to 33444 or visit IWantToSaveSeeds.com and you will receive our free webinar about why seeds matter, why saving them is easy, and how to save your own. Today on our podcast, we have someone who has great ideas for making gardening easier. We're talking to Shauna Coronado about great gardening hacks. Shauna is an author, columnist, blogger, photographer, and spokesperson for organic gardening, green lifestyle living, and culinary preparation, as well as an avid campaigner for social good. Her goal in authoring gardening and green lifestyle books is to promote a world initiative to encourage healthy and sustainable living. Shauna was featured as a Chicago Tribune remarkable woman and speaks internationally on building community, simple urban garden living, and green lifestyle tips for the everyday person. Welcome to the show today, Shauna.
1: Hey, thanks for having me, Greg. I'm glad to be here. Oh,
0: you bet. You bet. So I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path you took to get where you're at today?
1: You know, the, the real story starts uh, back in Indiana. I grew up on a farm in Indiana. And so from the time I was very little, I was truly exposed to people who have a passion for growing. You know, they all were growing. We were growing for our livelihoods, but we're also growing tomatoes and watermelon and all those things. My, my grandparents used to can, you know, so we were all connected with food in one form or another. And one of the things that we did every Sunday was have a classic Sunday dinner. And so I was truly raised in that environment of always having a Sunday dinner. You know, my family is crazy. That's a whole nother story. (laughs) But that Sunday dinner was triggered By the environment with which we lived and what we grew, I think still to this day, that sticks with me as being something that's absolutely critical for a human being, to be connected to the earth, to be connected to each other. So I moved up to Chicago. And when I moved up to Chicago, I spent many, many years without any exposure whatsoever to a garden or even a park. Like I just went to work and came home and lived in the cement. And that's what I did. And so... I became sick and I had to take over a dozen prescriptions a day. I had severe, severe allergies, severe, uh, bronchitis and asthma and all of these problems. And, um, at around that time, my boss took me into her office and said, you know, I need you to work more hours. And I was already working about 60 hours a week. Wow. And, and I hated my job. Mm-hmm. And was very sad, sad story right there. And she says, you know, if you don't work more hours, then you're fired. And I'm like, well, I quit. You know, I don't. <laughs> I can't do this. And so as I quit, you're fired. We're out of here. It was the best thing that ever happened to me. I came home crying, and we have in our family, you know, the telephone telegraph. My mother-in-law was over at my house before I hit the front door to make sure I was okay. And when she came over, she said, you know, you really love that gardening thing. Why don't you do something you love, and then you'll be happy for the rest of your life? Wow. that was the best advice I've ever received. And from that point on, I threw my entire self into gardening. I became uh-huh. a local landscape designer. And at the end of that summer, instead of taking you know dozens of prescriptions a day, I was taking two prescriptions a day. And my life had been changed forever. It was truly a, a life change, epic summer, yeah. ep- epic. Yeah. It was amazing. And so at the end of the summer... I, I realized that I was on something. So I wrote a book. And my first book, I self-published. And it was then that I decided I had to go on social media in order to sell the book. Now, here's the trick. I discovered that Going online and having a blog and having all that I I now have has absolutely nothing to do with selling a book.
0: Instead,
1: (laughs) it has everything to do with making a difference in people's lives. And that changed my life again. I now feel that the purpose of my being, of my existence, is to inspire others to do good, to feel better, to live with less chronic pain to eat healthier. This is what this is all about. And this is what brought me to this point.
0: Wow. Well, you and I have very similar paths. Uh, Although I never entered the corporate world, my my first business I started when I was 15. So I've been self-employed all along the way. But the reason that I do what I do is I like to educate people on the importance of what you put in your body. And what you put on your body and how it impacts our long-term health. And it sounds like you're, you're going down the, a similar path.
1: Oh, I'm there. I'm there. And one quick thing. You know, two years ago, I was diagnosed with severe degenerative osteoarthritis of the spine. Whoa. It, it's from the top of my spine down to the base. And I went from planting 3,000 vegetables a year in my front lawn veggie garden to devastation, you know, mm. where I was really horrified. I went on a diet that is strongly vegetable, although I do eat meats and chicken and fish, right. uh, but it's no dairy, no grains, and no sugar. Mm-hmm. And this was the next big transformation that happened because yeah. now, now I am 85% pain free compared to what I was before. Wow. I mean, it, significant. I, I could barely walk when I was diagnosed. Mm-hmm. And, and now I feel like a million bucks. I totally reinvented myself. And those last two prescriptions that I was taking, one was for high blood pressure. Those are all gone. I yep. no longer have to take prescription meds. Right. And so uh, my, my answer to people when they ask me, why am I doing this? Why the gardening aspect as well as food, but really gardening? And the answer is because food is the cure. Yes. And food has been the cure for me, and I've lived the experience, and I'm here to help others to do the same thing.
0: Yeah. Well, and what we've found is that the grains in our life, and I know everybody out there, you're going to groan when I say this, but we mm-hmm. have to get rid of the grains because they're so highly polluted, they're so highly hybridized, that they, they are a significant negative impact in our life.
1: Yes, Exactly. Uh, and getting rid of grains, that first, you know, like the first four days, I'll never, I, I went to a nutritionist, mm-hmm. you know, and I love her, by the way. She and I are very good friends now. But that first week, I was busy telling her that she was crazy and that this would never work for me and that, <laughs> right. you know, I was in denial. And I, I, at one point, I actually sent her an email and I said, I hate this and I hate you and I hate the world. And I was in so much pain, mm-hmm. you know, that I I'm couldn't sorry. think straight. No, no, because the good news is is four days into the diet, only four days, mm-hmm. I had about 40% less pain. And I sent her an apology letter. Oh, my gosh, I just got goosebumps thinking about it. I, I, I sent her an email and said, I'm so sorry. You right. were right. I was wrong. And this is amazing. I yeah. can't even believe it. You know? Yeah. I, and I'm on. I'm going to get rid of my meds. I just knew it. And uh, it took me another four weeks before the rest of my prescriptions disappeared. You know, mm-hmm. I don't, didn't have to use them anymore. Right. And now, uh, you know, like I said, 85% less pain. When I have a bad day, you know, I don't go out and do very heavy physical labor in the garden.
0: Right. I know
1: – That a bad day is – it's okay, by the way, to have a bad day. Uh It's a winter day or it's whatever it is. It's cold out. That usually triggers it. And I'll just – I'll say, okay, I'm done for the day. You know, I, I just call it a day and I'm done. Yeah. And I think that's important for us to do that, both in, if you're ill with a, a chronic condition or you have chronic pain, but also in the real world, you know, when you're just a normal, regular person and you're having a bad day, it's okay to have one. Just, right. just dump and run, you know? Yeah, yeah Give yourself oh, better.
0: give yourself yeah. permission to take the day off so that it doesn't manifest into something else like high blood pressure or... Something worse.
1: Yes, and that's the success. Like the garden techniques that I use are all based on, and this is important, on my not being educated traditionally in horticulture. I am not a horticulturist. And so I break all the rules. I've learned
0: where
1: where to take a break when other people think you should keep working. I think that that's part of the secret of the success for for my personal garden.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, let's talk about your book. I, I have in the past few years fallen in love with garden hacks, and I regularly share them. I spoke in front of about a hundred people just last night, at one of our local uh, bookstores, and I'm always plugging in garden hacks. And so I'm when I got your book, I got really excited. It's 101 organic gardening hacks, eco-friendly mm-hmm. solutions to improve any garden. It's like you know, I'm starting to thumb through this and. And, wow, cool. Tell us about the book and how it came to be.
1: I will. The The book is really just clever ways to save money in the garden and to make gardening easier. And how it happened was uh, my, I'm very good friends with my editor mm-hmm. at uh, Cool Springs Press, which is a division of Quarto Publishing. And he's like... Uh, he called me, and he's like, you know, I want to do a hack book. I know this will take you about a year to put together. I'm like, no, I have all the hacks right now.
0: <laughs> and he's like, what nice. do you
1: mean? I'm like, are you kidding me? I have been hacking since I began gardening in yeah. my own yard. You know, this is ways to save money, because when I started, I didn't have any money. Mm-hmm. And so I learned smart things. For example, how do you line your pathways? Well, I never had the ability to go out and buy expensive stone and brick and things like that. So I started using old wine bottles, and I would flip a wine bottle upside down and line my pathways with it, Whoa. which in turn is super cool. And and by the way, I, living in Chicago, we have temperatures from 100 degrees all the way down to to minus 30. Oh, and in no. seven years, I've only had one wine bottle break. And so they're very strong uh-huh. and are and work remarkably well for the task. Plus, if you do not cement them in, they're not permanent. So right. if you have a homeowner's association or something like that, that you have to deal with, this is easy. You know, you can get past the rules because it's a non- permanent situation and so it's a great hack and um, you can do it with other bottles like if you're a beer drinker you could do it with beer Beer bottles bottles yeah Mm -hmm.
0: that's brilliant that's absolutely brilliant yeah tell me another one I mean there's only 101 of them here so give me another one
1: we have a lot I think the other one and this is a, a lot of organic gardeners know about this one if you go to the grocery store and you go to the spud department to go to the potatoes that's the potatoes you should use for seed stock. Mm. The reason why, uh, I go to Whole Foods and yep. buy, buy me some organic potatoes because the other potatoes in the traditional grocery stores have been sprayed with a chemical which prevents them from seeding. It prevents them from growing. So if you go and you get organic, a bag of organic potatoes, you can cut them up where the eyes are, you know, so you make sure that there's an eye on each cut and Mm -hmm. you just throw them in the soil and you can grow your own potatoes. It's much cheaper than seed potatoes when you go to the garden center. And you can buy tremendously cool varieties because a lot of I'll find something really neat at the Whole Foods as an example. It could be any store that's really selling organic potatoes. So purple potatoes, for instance, and that sort of thing. So really, really cool idea there. So one of the fun things that I do is using practical landscape ideas, uh, you know, finding reclaimed materials and importing it into your backyard. Uh, My my mother-in-law always has an extra brick somewhere and Mm -hmm. is always bringing me extra bricks, and I create that into floating patios. So an example of that is you lay down a layer of the black fabric that's a landscape fabric, and then you float float bricks and pebbles over the top of that and then if you ever need to pull it up you can but the trick with this is how do you dig into an area that has maple tree roots
0: oh my gosh well, I, of course
1: I, I can't and right. so this is a solution for that sort of thing but I also use uh, recycled materials to build art so across my garden, all over the place, you'll see recycled art. And it's, uh, you know, things I've dug out of the trash. Yes, I stop and I'm a trash digger. I confess. <laughs> and I, I definitely am. Hey, so but am I.
0: There's lots of great stuff out there.
1: Old wall decorations, wreaths, iron pieces or baskets. You can spray paint them. You can throw them up on the fence. And it's really cute. I mean, It's just adorable. And it's a great way to decorate your garden. Yeah.
0: I have literally tons, probably 10 or 15 tons of what we call urbanite in my backyard. It's broken up sidewalk.
1: Wow. That is an amazing idea. Yeah.
0: And it's free. I always get funny looks when I drive up to a, you know, a work site somewhere and (laughs) I say, can I haul some of that, you know, that pile of concrete away in fact that one day i had a guy look at me and he said oh you're greg peterson aren't you from the urban farm <laughs> i know what you're going to do with that
1: that's so funny and i've done the same thing all the construction sites in the area know me <laughs> yeah exactly. um, because i show up and and what my favorite thing to ask for i in the illinois region we have rock And, you know, and it's small rock. We also have giant rocks, but I mean, Uh small rock that's, you know, I would say of 12 inches to 18 inches around. Mm -hmm. And so it's heavy to lift, but it's not, you know, it's non-permanent again. So I can pick it up. I use it to line all my garden beds with, and that's the secret is you must ask permission because the day that you don't ask permission is the day the police officer shows up to escort you off the
0: premises. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, <laughs> and, and asking for the permission, though, it, it creates great bonds. It creates a sense of community. It's like, oh, my gosh, you're going to take my throw away and you're going to make it into something.
1: Heck, yeah. yeah. I know. I love that. I love it.
0: So, uh, you know, I'm on page 71 of your book, Hack Your Own DIY Seed Tape. Tell us yes. about that.
1: That's a great one. OK, so what you do is you roll out an unbleached toilet paper sheet Mm -hmm. and you can get those these days you can get them at Walmart you can get it at any department store and then you mix flour and water together to make homemade glue just like you did back in the days when you were a little kid in elementary school and you get a toothpick and you dip the toothpick in the glue and then you touch it to a seed and then you wipe that on in the middle of the toilet paper roll uh-huh. the strip that you've rolled out and then you fold it over you do this about every it depends on how far the plants need apart. The plants need to grow right. so if they're you know a radish you'd you do it every inch or so you know very close together mm-hmm. uh, but for a sunflower you do it every foot or so you know so that it's wider and then you fold it over once it's dried and you roll it up and you save it until it's planting time you roll it out you water it And shebang, the toilet paper disintegrates and the seed starts growing. Uh, It it just pops up the same as any old seed. I love it. It's super easy to make your own seed tape.
0: Nice. And why does one need seed tape?
1: You don't. But what I found is a lot of new gardeners especially are confused about, you know, how far apart do I put? This gives you an advantage because you don't have to thin yeah. And I don't know about you, but when I thin my radishes and carrots, I feel like I'm killing them. Uh-huh. And I, am, you know, I feel very distraught <laughs> over it. And my mother-in-law says she can't grow radishes anymore because she's so upset over having to thin Happy the to herd.
0: Thin yeah, I know, I know. That's great. I love, love, love that, that hack. So one of the things I noticed throughout your book is you love the art piece of this. Mm-hmm. And there are some really cool, uh, I'm on page 111. It's your Hack 75, Upcycle Old Furnishings.
1: Mm-hmm. And you're,
0: you're doing this with old tools. Tell us about that, that component of this.
1: I'll tell you how this all started. Like, I never, back in the day, there was no internet. So I, you right. know, I wasn't, there was no Pinterest. So I didn't have it. I was in my first year of doing landscape design. Because remember, my mother in law said, hey, do what you love and yep. you will be happy. And yeah. so I started doing this landscape design and I was at a client's house and he gave me that love seat, which is an old wicker mm-hmm. love seat that was rotted and falling apart. Right. And it, he he had set it out on the corner for the trash man to get it. And I'm like, I want to take it home. He's like, you're crazy. What are you going to do with that? <laughs> and as soon as I got home, I transformed it into a flower pot. And that was the beginning of all the different things that I've transformed into flower pots over Mm -hmm. the years. But wicker and rattan is particularly effective at this because it is not a permanent, you know, rattan doesn't last forever. And particularly in the Midwest with winters, if it's sitting out, it's going to rot. It is. Mm -hmm. So expect it. And then when it starts to rot off, paint it up, toss some plants in the bottom, and there you go. What I usually do is line it with rabbit fencing. And then oh, right. sphagnum moss and then soil. Mm-hmm. And so it, it holds the soil in that way and is, is really effective. Now, this particular chair, I mean, I kept it another four years outside through the winters through everything and then at one point or another it was just simply falling apart and then what i do is when something is ready to go i post it up on facebook and say you know if anyone local would like to have this come pick it up and they do every, single <laughs>
0: every time. time i know isn't every that amazing time.
1: it is every single time come right over and they yeah. pick it up
0: yeah perfect well tell us about your other books you have what five or six of them
1: I do. I just finished my sixth book, which will be the wellness garden, which is taking all that stuff that happened with my osteoarthritis and turning it into inspiration. So I talk about diet and uh, exercise outside in the garden, yoga, uh, therapeutic gardening, all of that. It's really a combination of diet and garden. And that is coming out. It's out right now on Amazon. So it's my latest book. Uh, So you can go right now and go get the wellness garden in Mm pre-sales. And then we have uh, my previous book before 101 is grow a living wall, create vertical gardens with purpose and grow a living wall is just what it says. I'm teaching the everyday person how you can plant more than 50 plants in less than a square foot. Oh my gosh. it is really effective. It's a and I use soil. I, I there is one garden in the book that's hydroponic, but everything else is soil. And you know, here's how I figured that out. I was standing in a garden center. I'm always standing in a garden
0: center. <laughs> yeah, we and
1: love those. I, uh, always. And I was holding a window box that was 24 inches by seven inches, mm-hmm. and I realized it's like 1.16 square feet. It's a square foot, and when you think about square foot gardening. And bio-intensive planting, which mm-hmm. is really what square foot gardening is. Right. This is an adaptation of that. And if you could plant five window boxes on top of one another, you know, on a wall, then you would have a very inexpensive living wall. Right. And the more I investigated it, the more I wanted to write a book. And that that's it's been a bestseller because it enables people that live in an urban environment to really grow in small spaces. Right. And uh, the other couple books that I have out by the, the publisher are state books, How to Grow in Indiana, How to Grow in Illinois. They're very basic books on planting and growing. But my passion has been the last three books I have because it really, they're very creative. Mm-hmm. I do all my own photography. So uh, wow. most of the books are photographed by me, you know, so mm-hmm. I on my travels, I'm always shooting everywhere I go. And it, it, it they've been a real passion for me.
0: Yay. So all right, on a technical piece for taking your own photographs, what kind of camera do you have? Because I know the iPhone isn't uh isn't the best thing to be shooting pictures on.
1: Well, you would be surprised because really? If you go to my Instagram page, mm-hmm. all of my photos, uh, well, 98% of them are done with my cell phone. Mm-hmm. So I would love for you guys to go out to Shauna Coronado on Instagram and see what you see. Those are all cell phone photos. But the photographs that I take for my my books and for my blog is I have a Nikon D5200. And I uh, I joke all the time with my husband that if he weren't in my life, I would marry my camera because I <laughs> – I truly love it with all my heart and I carry it everywhere. And when I was a kid, I had this really mean teacher who was an English teacher who was the hardest woman. I mean, I would go home crying from high school because mm-hmm. she was so mean. And now I know why. She saw something and she wanted me to learn. And I learned that from her. And then I learned photography really from my own failure. You know, I failed so much at taking a picture that eventually I became successful so I've never taken a class all about learning how to compose a picture and have it be impactful
0: Mm -hmm. wow how cool is that well you know I'm a lifelong learner too it's it's something that once it gets into us I think it you know it just doesn't go away
1: that's that so true, yeah. you know there's another thing in my personal life. I think we're all triggered by something to have this drive and this passion. My father died when he was forty six years old oh of gosh. pain. Of pancreatic cancer and I was 12 at the time mm-hmm. and it left a lasting impression on me because I was convinced that I would die when I was 46 years old I knew that it would happen so I hit 46 years old and I survived and I didn't die mm-hmm. and so for me I had this personal drive every year I have after the age of 46 in my mind is a bonus, bonus year. year. Yes. So if you have a bonus year, are you going to sit around and waste it? Or are you going to do something big to inspire as many people as you can to change the world, to help other people? I want to have every year be one of those
0: years. Yeah. How, and so
1: that's how I'm living.
0: Yeah. How incredible is that? I call them. So my entire team knows that I play the what if game. And it goes like this. Oh, my gosh. What if we did this this week? Because I'm always coming up with, you know. Cool things to do in the world that that change people's perspective and change people's lives, and honestly, recently I had a, a health scare that you know it was one of those. Oh my gosh, my life could be over. I'm fine, everybody. Everything's just fine. But it, yeah, it, you sorry. Know, yeah. It, yeah, thanks. But it it opened my eyes to really where I where I had to finally get to was okay. Am I living every day or am I dying every day? Yes. Right.
1: Yes this is exactly it. It, And when you change your attitude, (laughs) you know, you hear these power, these power speakers are Mm -hmm. always out there. You must change your attitude. You must be positive. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever, you know? But the truth is, is that when you do finally have something that hits you in your gut and you change your attitude and your mindset, the every day I wake up is better than it was. So, Other people are like looking back at their lives saying the best time of my life when I was in my early 20s, I had my friends, I was out partying, I did all this stuff. For me, the best time of my life is right now. Right
0: now. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. In fact, I said to to my sweetie Heidi the other day, there was a a group of young people at a restaurant and I, I looked at her and I said, you know what? I so love our life right now. I wouldn't go back there for anything
1: nothing i yeah. don't want to go back i yeah. only want to move forward right. and when i was in high school i was very unpopular and i think it's because i was very quirky like you know mm-hmm. an, an independent thinker and yeah. when you're in high school that's unpopular you know yeah. that's not cool welcome uh, but to my as world in, by the way yes yeah i'm such <laughs> a nerd you know i'm still a star trek nerd but we but we won't go there yeah the thing is is that now, be, you know, at my age now, uh, you know, adulting has been fantastic because I'm really independent thinker, do my own thing, break mm-hmm. the rules, try new stuff. And when you do that, it's more satisfactory than being a sheep right. and doing, doing what everyone yeah. else tells you to do. Yeah. And so this has been really, really a fun time in my life. But more importantly than that, I think uh, teaching people how to do good things in their lives makes my heart feel good.
0: Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I was just sitting with that in that moment and it's like, oh yeah, makes my heart feel good too. Awesome. So I want you to think back. I'm going to throw a curveball at you because you told me okay. I could before we started recording. I want you to think back in your life and just come up with that one epic gardening moment and share about that.
1: <laughs> Either my biggest failure or my biggest success. We're going to get, uh, we're besoin-
0: going to get that in a minute. We'll get there yeah. in a minute. But epic
1: guarding moment. I, I think I think what happened was Wow, you did throw a curve at me. I'll tell you what. I was out behind my fence. Uh, Behind my fence is on right-of-way property. And by the way, if you search on uh, YouTube, WGN and Shauna Coronado, you'll see how my city fined me for this garden. And there was quite a lot of drama about it. And they put me on the 10 o'clock news over what I called garden tax. Nice. I know. But – that was very interesting because I'm out working back there one day and these ladies walk past me and sometimes ladies are a little bit judgy Mm -hmm. and they're walking past and the one I overhear them talking and and the one woman says, that's that Shauna lady. And the other one says, yeah, she's crazy. And they walk past and I'm out there weeding and working in the garden and it hurt my feelings, Mm -hmm. but it also, something happened inside me. I became more driven than ever. I'm like, I'm going to show them yeah. that this garden is going to help our community, and that was like my big time where I had this changeover and did something crazy that you know. So then I be I started gardening everywhere. I garden behind the fence. I garden on my side of the house. I garden on the other side. I garden on my neighbor's yard, and then I ripped <laughs> nice. out my. I, it was crazy. I ripped out the front lawn, and if you go to my website, you can see pictures of that by looking up front lawn vegetable garden. And I'll tell you, the first year, it was really a rough thing. And then the next year, I planted in a special design that from outer space would look like a sunrise. I mean, I had this whole artistic wow. vision. And I planted really in that biointensive planting technique uh-huh. where you plant everything very closely together, a no-till garden. And I did this with my front yard. And so then every year, my front yard was inspiration for my neighbors and i donated 500 pounds of food to my local food pantry so that day out behind the fence when i i really cried over how it hurt me that people think that i'm crazy because i want to make a difference for others it changed my life in a lot of ways because i became driven then you know to do to really make it good Mm -hmm. and make it worthwhile not just for me but for everyone else around me
0: yeah and thank you so much for doing that and, and making a stand for that. That's, that's really important. And, you know, these days, in fact, I'll tell you a quick story. I'm, I'm in my office right now and I'm looking up on a wall and I have a magazine cover that I was on in 2007. And the title on it was, is Green Extreme, Quirking Neighbors growing food in their front and backyard. Would you want to be his neighbor? That's essentially what Uh. the message was. you know. And it it was a positive-ish article, but they were poking fun at me in 2007. Here we are 10 years later. I'm the cool guy on the block. Literally, my neighbors are sitting there looking at what I'm doing, starting to mimic it a little bit. Recently, one of my neighbors had somebody come up to them and say, you know, have you heard of that urban farm place? She said to this friend and she kind of puffed up and got happy and she said, "Yeah, he's my neighbor." So, Aww. all of a sudden, you know, <laughs> fast forward 10 years and we're we're the cool guys and gals on the block now.
1: Okay. It was so hard at first. Oh, I, I yeah. went to went to conventions and events, you know, where there were other gardener writers and gardeners uh-huh. and I I really got a lot of criticism, but I still I believed in, in two things. I believed in my vision that, you know, you don't have to be a horticulturist to grow a magnificent garden. Right. And I still need horticulturists. We all do, by the way, because they also help us to learn how to grow, but you don't have to be one yourself to have success. And the exactly. other thing was Social media is where it's at. I have five hundred thousand followers now, and my life is, is that all, all? Never the same. I know is that all, and <laughs> wow. it's really been it's been an amazing experience, and that. Uh, I remember being a child and being really lonely because I didn't have friends. And now I have so many people who are on board with what we believe yeah. of you know, doing good for others. And it's just a beautiful experience. And I've really other people hate social media, but I love it. I, I really feel this yeah. is where I need to be. Yeah. And I like it a lot.
0: Yay. Well, thank you for that story. That is exactly what I was looking for. That's, <laughs> an, that's an epic moment. So I'm going to shift on you. And I'd like for you to talk about a time you failed How you overcame that fairy and what you learned from it.
1: Oh, okay. I have a great failure. It's just in the garden growing a plant. I cannot grow an artichoke to save my life. Oh, man. I have tried a dozen different times. I tried again this year. They're either covered in mites. This year, I had a lot of aphids, and then it was invaded by ants. Mm -hmm. That's a common thing to happen with artichokes, where aphids will come, then the ants come because they want the dew from the, the, you know. So it's this whole thing going on. And here's what I learned from this huge failure that I can't grow. If there's a plant in your garden that you can't seem to grow well, throw them in the compost bin and give up. You can move on to another yeah. vegetable. Right. I think we, so I'm going to try to grow that hydrangea. I'm going to try again this year. And then last year was a fail. No, you can, it's, I give you permission to just give up on that plant and say, I, you know what? I don't have luck with artichokes. Let's move on. And that's, it's a smart move because why was it Einstein that said, why keep doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result? Yeah. Just give up on it. It's yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah, that's what we call insanity, by the way, doing the same yeah. thing over and over again, <laughs> expecting a different result.
1: Exactly. Yeah,
0: I, I can't grow. Interestingly enough, I can't grow watermelons for the life of me. <laughs> and I've been growing food here in Phoenix for over 40 years. And that's one of the things I, I just gave up on it. <laughs> for, so,
1: it's not working. Right, there you go.
0: Right. So there you have it. You have both of our permissions. You have Shauna's permission and my permission. If you can't grow something, stop. Don't do it anymore. Give
1: her up. Yeah. What,
0: what do you consider your biggest success?
1: Clearly, the bil- biggest success of my life, besides my family, of course, mm-hmm. is building an online business that helps inspire people to live well. Yeah. I, this is uh, what I think I am put here on earth to do. And it sounded, when I first started, if I had known how much hard work that this really is to write books, to mm-hmm. do all the social media, to have this business, I never would have stuck with it. Right. uh, Because, you know, my God, you know, I work 14 hours a day, seven days a week, but it has been the best roller coaster ride of my life. And of course it begins and ends with growing. Yeah. And that makes my heart feel good. Yeah,
0: exactly. Exactly. So what drives you?
1: We mentioned it a bit earlier. I think that that Knowing that every year is a bonus year Mm. and that, you know, a lot of people are like, you know, what drives me is religion and I want to be good because somebody tells me to be good. I don't have any of those strong feelings. I feel instead that inherently we should all just be good to one another, that there's it's not about getting a reward for it. It's about what we should do which I think is the right thing to do. Yeah. And so teaching my children that, that, that uh, making a difference for people and being good in your heart because that's what's good for you emotionally mm-hmm. is really important. Mm-hmm. So I'd say that, you know, that drives me making a difference for other people. Yeah.
0: Beautiful. So if you could recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be <laughs> and why?
1: Your one book recommendation thing. That was so important. I'm going to give you two books. All because right, bring I it. Had- same topic. Okay. There's two women that have written magnificent books that are out this year. One is called Good Bug, Bad Bug by Jessica Walliser. And I had the uh, distinct privilege of speaking with her at, at an event not too long ago uh, where she talks about bug sex. Oh my God, is it the best speech ever? And she really. really yeah, she really talks about how we need to leave our bugs alone yeah. and let the circle of life really work. Yeah. And so she's much a proponent of organic growing and definitely is a, a fascinating person who's fixed on bugs. And my next topic is also a bug. The next book is The Monarch, Saving Our Most Beloved Butterfly by Kylie Baumley. Kylie is perhaps the nicest person on earth. She's Aww. a sweetheart. Yeah, no, she really is so sweet. So nice. But the other thing is she has a passion to save the monarch and she lives in Ohio. Uh, She tracks the month. So year after year, she was my monarch expert before she ever wrote a book. I, you know, she would understand monarch questions. She, if you follow her on Facebook, for instance, she shows these magnificent pictures of monarch eggs, which are tiny, tiny little things and tells people how they can find them, how you can grow them. And, uh, when I said I had discovered a whole bunch of caterpillars on my dill mm-hmm. and for the the swallowtail, and when I found them she was horrified that I didn't want to take the time to collect them and then have them do all their magic you know like inside the house so I right. could see them and, and I'm like I don't have time and she's like my god and called me up you know so the point being is that this book is singularly one of the best guides to saving the monarch I've ever seen. Wow. I really highly recommend it. Yes, yeah. She's wonderful.
0: And what was her name again?
1: Kylie bomley B-A-U-M-L-E.
0: Perfect. Perfect. So what one final piece of advice do you have for our listeners?
1: My best advice is to stop with the perfection. You know, When I first went on this diet, I had already been on a diet for years and years and years, eating 1,200 calories a day because Mm -hmm. I wanted to be perfect because society says I need to be thin and svelte and beautiful, right? Yeah. The American image that the media puts on us is that we have to be perfect it's also the same image that is reflected in our gardens you watch HGTV which by the way is losing the G which makes me a little concerned we I want more garden shows oh yeah no kidding but if you watch some of the garden shows they're really telling you you have to be perfect and this is what a perfect lawn looks like and this is what a perfect garden looks like and what I'm saying to you is drop the perfection accept your garden yourself and nature for what it is. You are beautiful just the way you are. And so is your garden.
0: (laughs) Well, that's a beautiful place to conclude today. Thank you so much for that. And thank you for joining us on the show today, Shauna.
1: I loved it. And I can't wait to be a part of your page. So you have to link me in on all this fun.
0: Absolutely. We can do that. And it sounds like we can probably do this again a few times because there's plenty to talk about.
1: Indeed, there is. Thanks, Greg, for having me.
0: Oh, absolutely. So how can our listeners get a hold of you?
1: The best way is to go to my website, coronado.com. It's just my name yes. and you can go there. You can contact me. There's a contact uh, category. You can look at the about page and learn more about where you can find me. And I have a speaking uh, agenda there. So oh, if good. you want to see me speaking around the nation, you can click on that and you can find more. Uh, there's also besides the blog, which has lots and lots of information on all the content that we've been talking about, um, You can also go, I have a TV section, so I've made a lot of television appearances, and you can go and get quick tips for gardening and food Nice, right there. You can watch them live. Nice,
0: nice, nice, nice. You can also find show notes from today's podcast at urbanfarm.org forward slash gardening hacks. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for joining us on the Urban Farm Podcast. Growing plants that thrive in your yard is a lot easier than you think. It starts with saving your own seeds and letting them remember what they already learned. Just text SEEDS to 33444 or visit IWantToSaveSeeds.com and you will receive our free webinar about why seeds matter, why saving them is easy, and how to save your own.